0: Well, I've had a delightful time studying the book of Titus and preparing an introduction to it, studying the first few verses. And uh, we are going to begin our study of the book of Titus today. And this book of Titus is one of three books in the Bible that are considered to be the pastoral epistles, which are First and Second Timothy and Titus. And these three books are letters written by Paul to the pastors of his day, the men of Timothy and Titus. And they were written by Paul in his later life as instruction to pastors who were to resume the leadership of the local churches there at Ephesus and Crete. And these books were written by Paul in this order, First Timothy, then Titus, and then the last book Paul wrote is Second Timothy. And so we just finished the book of Habakkuk. And just a few statistics, I, being a math guy, I kind of enjoyed this. In Habakkuk, there's 1,011 words, and it ranks 57 out of 66 for length of book. Titus has 659 words, and it ranks 61st out of the 66 books of the Bible. And this word count is from the original language as counted by Logos software. I didn't do that. Someone else had done that. And I find it interesting that the book of Titus contains only 0.1% of the words of the entire Bible. But Paul didn't need a whole lot of words to convey this important message to Titus. And these are the words of God as given by Paul, given through Paul by God, written to Titus specifically for the benefit of the churches at Crete. And even though it isn't very long, there's only 46 verses in this book, there's very, two very important passages in this book that stand out for their conciseness. And let's look at those. They're just wonderful uh, verses. Titus has one of the clearest instructions about salvation. And it's very noticeable, notable because it clearly delineates the working of the Trinity in salvation. And that is in Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7. And let's just read that. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Just a wonderful passage about our salvation, how God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus work together for our salvation. And Look forward to that study. And second is the significant teaching about God's sanctifying work, and that's in chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself the peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. For this short epistle, to have these substantive passages, is very notable, and we should pay very careful attention to these passages throughout our study. As there is a repeated call for God's people to demonstrate A godly life and to live by the power of Christ. Now, Paul wrote this letter to Titus to set the ground rules for appointing elder leadership in the local church and then the topics that the elders should teach in the church. But this book has been despised by some people for its insistence upon sanctification and that that is a work of God that leads to changed behavior, 11 times in this book there is a word used to bring our focus into the Christian life, and that word is good. A lover of good men, teachers of good things, a wife's behavior should be good. Show yourself a pattern of good works. Show all good fidelity, zealous of good works. Be ready for every good work. Be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that we may not be unfruitful. Sounds like we have a lot of good doctrine to learn in this book. So for our introduction today, we're going to look at the place, sorry, the people, the place, and the purpose of the book of Titus. And then because of its brevity, We will conclude by reading the book of Titus in its entirety. So let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy word, this book of Titus, that you granted to the church, to to Titus, through Paul. And it's been so beneficial to many churches throughout the years. And I That it would do that for us, too, that as your people, we would learn more about you, learn more about living and godliness and holiness and pursuing of you. Open our understanding to your word today. In Christ's name, amen. So we'll pick up here in verse, uh, first three verses with the people of Titus. Let's read the first three here. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. The first person introduced is that of Paul. Paul starts out by telling us that he's the author. Verse 1, Paul. Verse 4, to Titus. And a little time prior to writing this book, Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy while he was in Macedonia and Titus was written shortly thereafter sometime between AD 62 and 64 also from Macedonia so if you look at chapter 3 verse 12 <coughs> he mentions Nicopolis and Nicopolis is a city of Macedonia the writing of Titus is then followed by Paul's final book of 2 Timothy and then Titus chapter 3 verse 13 gives the name of two men, and it's thought that these two men delivered the letter to Titus. They are Zenos and Apollos. And Zenos, this is the only mention of him in the entire Bible, so we know nothing else about him. <clears throat> this is a personal letter written from Paul to Titus, but it is not a private letter. It is not only intended to be read by the recipient, but by also everyone under the care of the recipient, as Paul was writing to Titus and through Titus to the church in Crete. And then I also want to point out that the last verse of the book indicates that the recipients were many. So look at chapter 3, verse 15. All that are with me salute you. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. You all being a plural there for a large group. Amen. The second person presented is that of God. Right away Paul reminds us that Paul that God is the only reason for this book. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds Titus and the church of the chain of command flowing from Jesus to his apostle Paul to Titus and to this local church. And Paul is called into this office of a for the apostle for the several reasons given to us in verses 1 through 3. First, according to the faith of God's elect, Paul counted it a privilege to be a servant of God. We were the slaves of sin, but now we belong to God. Why would God save someone like us, like Paul? We're reminded to count it a privilege to be part of God's elect. To possess the faith of a great salvation. And next for the knowledge of the truth. Which accords with godliness. So many people reject the truth of God's word. And they're stuck in their own opinions. In the vanity of their own minds. And Ephesians 4.17 and following reminds us. That not to do that. Let's read Ephesians um, 4.17 and following. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and been taught of him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And the people of Crete that live there in Crete needed to hear the truth about God and about putting on the new man. And then Paul next reminds them of their eternal hope. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. First, the implied prerequisite for hope is salvation. Salvation leads to holiness, and holiness leads to hope. Our hope purifies our life as we read in Titus 2, 11 through 15, but it really clearly pointed out in 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, clearly states, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that has his hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Our hope, our salvation, the truth our hope and lastly god has promised it the god of truth who does not lie god has promised it before the world began and because of these things god has chosen to manifest his word through preaching which is which was entrusted to paul by the commandment of god and the declaration of our hope is through preaching god manifested his hope in his word and preaching is the method of transmission The hope of the Christians there who lived in Crete was not in the abilities of Titus or of Paul, but in the saving work of our Lord. The future of that church there at Crete was not dependent upon Titus. Their hope, and also our hope, is not in our preacher, not in the leadership of the church or the people around us. Our hope is in eternal life, which is from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And God has cared enough for us to manifest his word to us at the proper time. The next person presented to us is that of Titus. Let's pick up in verse 4. To Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. Now there is not much known about Titus outside of Paul's epistles. And he remains largely a mystery as a man. There is no mention of Titus in the book of Acts entirely. Which is obvious. What is obvious is that Titus seems to be one of the most trusted and beloved of Paul's friends. Outside of the book of Titus, there's ten mentions of him in 2 Corinthians, two mentions of him in Galatians, and one mention of him in 2 Timothy. And it seems probable that Titus accompanied Paul on at least one missionary journey from the ten comments we have in 2 Corinthians. And since the comments are so few, we're going to look at them to learn more about the bio of this man, Titus. So from Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, we know that Titus was born a Gentile. From Galatians 2, verse 1, We know that Paul traveled with Barnabas to Jerusalem, taking Titus with him. This trip in Galatians 2 verse 1, that Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem with Titus, is most likely the trip in Acts 15, when they went up to the council, which verse 2 of Acts 15 names some people in in this trip. It says Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem. Some of the others probably includes Titus, but we don't know. That, that is a pretty good guess, pretty solid guess, but it is not stated there. So go backwards to Paul's first missionary journey in Acts eleven twenty-five. 25. So let's read there a little bit. So, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found them, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem into Antioch. So this tells us that Paul was teaching in Antioch there on his first journey. And then afterwards in Acts 15, Paul went up to Jerusalem to give the missionary report. You combine that thought with Galatians, where Paul took Titus to Jerusalem, this gives us the, some thought that Titus was converted under Paul's ministry in Antioch during the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. Also, since it's probable that Paul wrote Galatians after this first missionary journey, that would correlate with the thought of Titus's salvation on that journey. Then from 2 Corinthians, we know that Titus joined Paul on his third missionary journey. So Paul took a journey to find Titus as described in 2 Corinthians 2.13. Paul writes, My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. So there's much love here in Paul's life towards Titus as he Took a trip just to go find that man. And Paul found comfort and joy in the, his friend. And Titus proved very useful at the church in Corinth because he was a faithful man. So in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 6, Paul writes, But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Great, great friendship between those men. And then picking up in the same chapter, verses thirteen through sixteen Therefore we were comforted, comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because the Spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him about you I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus also has proved true, and his affection for you is even greater, and he remembers the obedience of you all How you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. What a co-worker he was to Paul. that He sent him there to Corinth and he was uh, affectioned with those people there. Next, Paul tells us that Titus was a diligent worker in 2 Corinthians 8.23. As for Titus, he is my partner and my fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Paul tells us also he was a giving man, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 18. I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did he not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? So Titus was very giving there at the church at Corinth. From these comments, there's a few things we can conclude. First, we know that Titus traveled with Paul and at his instruction. And second, given the difficulties at that church in Corinth, Titus must have had some God-given natural ability to handle difficult situations. The final mention of Titus was with Paul during his second imprisonment at Rome in 2nd Timothy 4 verse 10 it says only Titus went to Dalmatia indicating that Titus supported Paul until the end of his life and since 2nd Timothy was written after Titus it looks like Titus went to Crete and then he went on to Dalmatia at Paul's final request and then Paul concludes this introduction by praying for grace Mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, to use Titus in the work that God has called him to to perform there in Crete. Extra biblically, in secular history, it states that Titus returned to Crete after Dalmatia and preached there, preached the gospel there, and ministered there and served the Lord for the remainder of his life, and he died at age ninety-four in the island of Crete. And what we, we should point out about this situation which is common in, in many other places that there are many faithful people who diligently serve our Lord and receive little recognition. And they never receive the praise of the people they serve and then they disappear into obscurity. And that seems to be what happened to Titus. He faithfully served the Lord. He received his reward from the Lord and not from men. Just a challenge to each of us To faithfully serve our Lord in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Lastly, we should introduce the people of Crete, the Cretans. And they're introduced to us in chapter 1, verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. What a group of people in this church to minister to move on to the place of Titus in verse 5 for this cause I left thee in Crete so this time Paul is sending them to the island of Crete and if you uh, tech guys would put up our map the island of Crete is there in the Mediterranean Sea it is 156 miles long And its narrowest point is seven miles wide, and widest goes up to 35 miles. It's about 600 miles west of Israel. It's almost halfway between Israel and Rome by boat. And I also find it interesting that the people of Crete, the Cretans, are mentioned in Acts chapter 2 verse 11 as being one of the people groups present in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. But there is no mention of the churches in Crete until we get to Titus. Acts, anywhere else, no no mentions of the churches at Crete. So you can see uh, there, that's Paul's fourth journey from Israel to Rome. And Acts 27 tells us that Crete was a key seaport for the sailing industry and this may have been the time when the church began at Crete and since this is the only other time Crete is mentioned let's read that story in Acts 27 and let's pick up in verse 7 and when we had sailed slowly many days and scarce were come over against Nidus the wind not suffering us we sailed under Crete over against Salmon and hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens. Fair Havens is south-central on Crete. Nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much danger, not only of the lading of ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship More than those things which were spoken of by Paul, and because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain unto Phineas, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. That is not much information on the island of Crete, but that may have been the time that God used Paul for the beginning of the church, that we see here in the book of Titus. And that is the sum total of the mention of Crete in the New Testament. Next is the purpose of Titus, and we will pick up a phrase here in verse 5: that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. So Paul wrote to give Titus apostolic authority to set in order the things that in these young churches and Paul begins with objective criteria for Titus to select men for leadership and then what the leadership should teach in this church Titus you are also to silence the false teachers in chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 for there are many insubordinate empty talkers and deceivers they must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain the things they ought not to teach. And Titus is given much authority here by Paul to teach about godly living. And chapter 2, verse 15, uh, Paul reiterates this authority. Um, Let's pick up there, 2.15. Declare these things and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And this is a point to emphasize in the introduction the authority that Paul gave to Titus in order to set things in order that were wanting. Also, in chapter 3, verse 8, this is a trustworthy, this saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Titus, these things are your responsibilities to fulfill by God's grace. And just as we studied last week on Father's Day with the parable of Jesus on the prodigal son, we should be renewed in our dependence upon God to fulfill our responsibilities. As several other passages also encourage us to do, like in just some verses that encouraged me in in my study. 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As we studied in 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best to present yourself to God, As one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And this is a very practical point for each of us, that just as Titus had the responsibility to go to this island in Crete and bring order to these churches, good reminder for each of us, how are we doing with our responsibilities? Are we faithful to the Lord? Faithful to the Lord in the little things? The one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and the one who is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. Titus was working for the Lord just as each of us should. And there was a real challenge given to Paul or to Titus from Paul, if you look at chapter 2 verse 7. Titus, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And this is a strong reminder for those of us in leadership to be a model in all respects. But Paul doesn't stop there. Go on to chapter 2, verse 14. Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his possession, zealous of good works. There is a fruit of righteousness that should be demonstrated in leadership and also in God's children. Chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to be ready of every good work. Remind them, Titus, verse 8, to devote themselves to good works. Verse 14, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. And as we study Paul's instruction through Titus to these Christians at Crete, how are we going to respond? What is our response to the teaching of God's word? The teaching in this book of Titus. For the sake of our faith, for the sake of the knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. And as we start out our study of Titus, we should again remind ourselves of the authority God's word has over our life. And this time is the teaching in the book of Titus. We should be ready to learn what God teaches us and how the gospel should impact our lives. It is God's work through God's word that changes us. And as we open this book, we should take time to study it, even memorize it, as some of you have already done. It is a short book, and it's a wonderful opportunity we have to study it together. So let's conclude. I want to conclude by reading the book in its entirety. We're going to divide our study of this book into seven sermons. That may change. We frequently do change our study. But we're going to divide it up. Chapter 1 and 3 studies, chapter 2 and 2 studies, and chapter 3 and 2 studies. So let's read the book of Titus together. (laughs) Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy of gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he might be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy guttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are be dismissive, submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. exhort rebuke with all authority let no one disregard you remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready for every good work to speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people for we ourselves were once foolish disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who, are, who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who serves up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me to Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you, Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your your word, this book of Titus that you gave to the church there at Crete. And it is now part of your holy word and, and instruction to us. Grant us to understand your instruction. May you bless our time of study. May we read it often, study it often during this time. Open our understanding over these next few weeks. Thank you for your word to us. In Christ's name, amen.